The Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all game, public enemies who try to destroy our America. Faithful valet Cato, Britt Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with the underworld, risking his life that criminals and racketeers within the law may feel its weight by the sting of the Green Hornet. Ride with Britt Reed in the thrilling adventure, Profits from War. The Green Hornet strikes again. Reed, young publisher of the Daily Sentinel, was about to dictate a letter to his secretary in a North case when the door to Reed's office opened and Mike Axford entered. Hi, Reed. Hi, Cassie. Axford, I thought you were covering the Loomis hearing. You said you were going over to the state Senate hearing room this afternoon. Sure, and that's just where I did go. Today was the last day and the hearings come to an end. Come to an end? I don't understand. Sure, Loomis got off for lack of evidence, Reed. That he did. Lack of evidence? It seemed to me that I Loomis... know, I know, Reed. We all thought he'd get what was coming to him for war profiteering. But they couldn't indict Loomis without convincing proof. And they just didn't seem to have any that was convincing enough. I'm not very familiar with the Loomis case. But if the investigating committee hasn't proof against him, well, he must be innocent of the charge. Innocent me, I, Casey. Well, what made them go after Loomis in the first place? Well, just this, Miss Case. Before war was declared, Loomis owned a small tooling shop employing about 10 or 12 men. A short time after Pearl Harbor, he went to the state capitol and came back with a big contract. Built an immense factory on the strength of that contract and began producing war materials. Well, what was wrong with that? Well, on the face of it, nothing. But he really had nothing to warrant such a contract in the first place. However, Loomis received more contracts without expanding his factory and used subcontractors to produce what he was supposed to manufacture. In other words, he had several so-called paper corporations... Paper corporation? Sure. Reed means Loomis formed certain companies in name only. Companies that didn't really exist. 
That's it exactly, Axford. If those facts are known, why did Mr. Loomis go free? Because he claimed he delivered the goods he contracted to deliver. That's why. Well, did he, really? Huh. Maybe he delivered war materials like he was supposed to. But wait till you hear what one of the witnesses said about what he did deliver. There was a sergeant who was in the invasion who took the stand of his own accord. It seems Loomis' company was making ammunition for tank guns, and the young sergeant was in the tank car. Well, what was his testimony, Axford? Well, this young guy, the sergeant, that is, got on the stand at the hearing. He told about how some tanks he was with routed the Nazis out of a certain position. Then they moved in to take over and pushed them back. They got into position, then got set to hold what they had taken. Everything depended upon their firing range. All right, men. I've got the range. Load up and let them have it. Okay, Sarge. All ready, Sarge. Ready. Fire. Hey, Sarge, it fell short. Must have been a defective shell. Reload. Right. All set. Ready. Fire. Hey, that one fell short, too. They'll get us before we have a chance to get them, Sarge. Reload again. Hurry. Funny those shells are full, Detective. Sarge! Sarge, you got it! Now we're done for! We got the range on us! Those shells! And according to what that young sergeant told the State Senate Committee, they lost the position because of defective shells besides losing a lot of men. He said he picked up the case of one of those defective shells, and it had the name Loomis Munitions Company stamped on it. Oh, that's terrible. Well, I should think that testimony would be enough no, to Loomis convict... case. That wouldn't be enough to condemn Loomis. That's right. Loomis lawyers claimed that because there were a few defective shells, it didn't mean the company was negligent or anything like that. And, of course, the committee upheld that statement. The sergeant claimed he talked to other tank men who had found defective Loomis shells, but they weren't available now to testify. A few years ago, Loomis was just getting by financially. Today, he's worth millions. But how did a man like that ever get such big war contracts? If he didn't have the facilities to produce at the time. Well, that's something they've been unable to find out in this case. In my opinion, Loomis should not have gone free. You said it, Reed. I guess there's nothing can be done about that, though. Not unless somebody turns up some strong evidence against Loomis. He's a slick one, that he is. Yes, he must have had some great influence in Suncourt to get those contracts. Especially the first one, without anything to go on. Yeah, that's right, Reed. If it could be proved that Loomis had given a cut to somebody to get those contracts, his goose would be cooked. Yeah. Oh, Miss Case. Yes, sir? Get everything you can find on the morgue on Loomis and bring it to my office. Yes, Mr. Reed. Meantime, I'll go through my own files and see what I happen to have on Loomis. Maybe we'll run across something that will give a lead to his vulnerable spot. Then we can go ahead from there. The following morning, Britt Reed and Miss Case were going through the material gathered on Loomis. These seem to be the general run of news items about the growth and production output of the Loomis factory, Mr. Reed. So it seems, Miss Case. Let's see. Here's an interesting item. What is it? It says the Loomis Tooling Company, formerly a partnership, has filed notice of incorporation. The incorporators listed are Harry S. Loomis, Ella Loomis, and John Nickerson. This is dated December 28th, 1941. 
But what does that show? Wasn't it all right for them to incorporate? Well, yes, of course. But it's significant that Nickerson's name doesn't appear anywhere from that time on among the officials of the Loomis Company. And what's more, John Nickerson went to the state capitol in January of 1942 as a state senator and served one term. I see. Then you think Nickerson might have been the contact to put through the deal for Loomis? Yes. And if it can be proved that he received money from Loomis for getting the war contract, it would clinch the case against both Loomis and Nickerson. Yes, Chief? Is Axford there in the city room? Oh, yes, he's right here. Just a minute. This is Axford. Want to speak to me, Reed? Yes, Axford. Tell me, during the hearing on Loomis, did a man named John Nickerson testify, or was his name mentioned at all? You mean ex-state Senator John Nickerson? Well, that's right. Yeah, Nickerson was chairman of the committee that awarded the contract to Loomis. He said Loomis proved he was capable of putting out the work, so the contract went through. The company has proved itself since. Did they connect Nickerson with the Loomis company in any way? No. Why? All right, I just wondered, that's all. Any more you want to know, Reed? No, that's all for the present. Well, I guess there's nothing can be done now that the investigating committee has decided to give Loomis a clean bill of health. I don't know about that. I, along with a lot of others, think Loomis has pulled some slick deals at the expense of the people and of some of the boys who fought the war. There must be some way to show him and his company up. And if there is, I'm going to do my best to find a way. You can bet on that. It was late that afternoon when Miss Case announced a visitor to see Britt Reed. Yes, Miss Case? Mr. Reed, that soldier, Sergeant Joe Power, whom you sent for, is here. Good. Send him right in. Yes, sir. Mr. Reed? Yes. Uh, Come sit down, Sergeant Power. Thanks, sir. I came over as soon as I received your message. I um, heard of your testimony at the hearing on the Loomis case. I thought perhaps you'd be willing to tell me the full story. Do you really believe that company was negligent in making those tank shells, Sergeant? Absolutely, sir. Loomis was the only maker of those particular type of shells. And most of them were defective. Well, perhaps it would just happen that your outfit received a bad shipment. Doesn't mean others also found the shells to be... Listen, Mr. Reed. I saw almost my whole tank company wiped out because of those rotten shells. And I made it a point to ask everywhere I went how others made out with them. Defective shells seemed to be in every lot, and they all came from Loomis. You reported that fact, of course. Uh, Sure. It was because of my report that the investigation was started. And now that war profiteer and rat is going to get away with it and go scot-free. Do you know John Nickerson, Sergeant Power? Uh-huh. He was state senator from my district. I wrote to him but got no satisfaction, so I took it up direct with the War Department later. Nickerson's one of those fatheads who should never get voted in office, the way I look at it. I'm afraid until voters learn to know the background of men running for office, we'll continue to get some incompetent men elected. Well, you can bet I'm going to know a heck of a lot about a guy before I'll vote for him. Good. Did you tell the committee just what you've told me about those shells? Why, sure, Mr. Reed. With those Loomis lawyers jumping on me, I didn't have a chance. I said I was hysterical at the time, that I wasn't a competent judge of what shell was good or bad. (laughs) And all that stuff. Uh, I guess they made me look sort of dopey in front of the committee, but... And I still know I'm right. I see. Well, thanks for coming in, Sergeant. I appreciate it. Perhaps the Loomis case isn't closed yet. Time will tell.
A short time later, Britt Reed went to his apartment, where Cato, his faithful Filipino valet, and the only person knowing his identity as the Green Hornet was waiting. After dinner, Britt sat in the living room, his brow furrowed in deep thought. You have something on mind, Mr. Britt? I'm thinking about the Loomis Company case, Cato. I suppose you read about the investigation. Well, yes, sir. I read today that investigating committee about to close case in Loomis Company's favor. Well, that's right. But I don't like it. Well, you think Mr. Loomis really guilty of war profiteering, perhaps? Yes, Cato. I'm almost sure of it. But the proof is lacking. It's my opinion that Loomis paid Graf to get those contracts. And that after getting them, he was deliberately negligent in turning out inferior shells from time to time. Well, that's not good. I'll say it isn't. I'd certainly like to be able to get the goods on Loomis and those who helped him in his slick deals. Well, who you think helped him, maybe? I wouldn't put it past Nickerson, the former state senator, to have sold out to Loomis for a good price. I found out he had a slight connection with the original Loomis company before he went to the state capitol. Well, how he connected? Well, he was one of the original incorporators. I guess he immediately signed over to somebody else so his name didn't appear among the company officials. Will you not uh, think of a way to find proof against Mr. Loomis, then? No, and I can't express my personal opinions in the Daily Sentinel. I'd lay myself open to a lawsuit. But perhaps the Green Hornet could find the necessary proof. Well, what you intend to do as Green Hornet? Kiddo, I've been thinking that it might be a good idea to move boldly in this case. To go right to the big shot himself. So I've decided that Mr. Loomis will have a visit from the Green Hornet in person. Tonight. continue our Green Hornet adventure in just a moment. showed no surprise when Britt Reed stated that he was going as the Green Hornet to pay a visit to Harry Loomis, head of a big manufacturing company during the war. After telling Cato his plan, Britt looked at him for a moment, then spoke. My announcement doesn't seem to take you by surprise, Cato. No, sir. I ain't expecting you to make such a move, so I'm not surprised. We take Black Beauty out now, Mr. Britt? Yes, we'll leave right away. The sooner Loomis meets the Green Hornet, the better. Let's go. Thank you. 
Stepping through a secret panel in the rear of a closet in the bedroom, Britt Reed and Cato went along a narrow passageway built within the walls of the apartment itself. This passage led to an adjoining building, which fronted on a dark side street. Though supposedly abandoned, this building served as the hiding place for the sleek, super-powered Black Beauty, streamlined car of the Green Hornet. Britt Reed pressed a button. The great car roared into life. A section of the wall in front raised automatically, then closed as the gleaming black beauty sped into the darkness. Meantime, Mr. Harry Loomis and his wife, Ella, were talking in the sumptuous library of their large suburban home. Harry, there's a lot I don't understand about that investigation. Are they likely to reopen it? Uh, Look, Ella, why don't you leave that for me to worry about? Because I'm tied into this as well as you are, and if they clamped down on you, I'd get it too. Sure, and why not? We made millions, you have to spend what we made, don't you? (laughs) But stop worrying. With all the dough we have, we can afford to have big shot lawyers worry for us. Well, all right. I guess you can handle things, you... You always have. But, well, I didn't like what that young soldier said at the hearing about us being to blame for so many dying over there. You're too soft-hearted, Ella. Forget what that soldier said. As long as it didn't turn the committee against us, it's okay with me, whatever he says. Harry, Hmm? are you sure there's no way anyone can get... Now, look, why don't you run along to bed? I know it's early, but you've been worrying too much. Get some rest. (laughs) You used to worry when we were broke. Now that we have plenty, you still worry. (laughs) All right. I'll go rest a while. Don't you stay up too late, Harry. I won't. Good night. Good night. So you don't believe in worrying, eh, Loomis? What? Those heavy drapes over the French doors make a good hiding place. So you were hiding behind the drapes listening, eh? Of course, I recognize you as Green Hornet. Good. Then introductions aren't necessary. What do you want here? I dropped in for a little talk with you, Loomis. Then say what you came to say and get out of here. Of course, with your ability to pay big fees, you've been able to hire big lawyers who were able to confuse the issue before that investigating committee. If you want to discuss that, go talk to my lawyers. <laughs> you couldn't get a lawyer to defend you, no matter how much you could pay That will be my worry, Lomas. Come on, get to the point. Why are you here? Suppose I told you I had some important letters to sell you for a price. Letters? What kind of letters? They might be incriminating letters you sent to Nickerson during the past few years, (laughs) Lomas. Stop bluffing on it. For your information, I might point out that I'm smarter than you give me credit for. In my dealings with Nickerson, I never put anything in writing. Really? Well, at least you've given me some information I was after by what you just said. That, uh, what do you mean? Now I know you did have deals with Nickerson. Well, that, maybe I did. What good will that information to a crook like you? <laughs> Nobody would believe you, even if you swore to it. You'll pay for what you've done, Loomis. One way or another. I won't pay you. Not one cent for anything. Now get out. Get out and don't ever come back here. Okay, I'll leave. But I won't promise not to come back. 
We'll meet again, Loomis. And then maybe I'll do the laughing. Bluff didn't quite work out, Cato. But Loomis did make a slip of the tongue. What did he say, Mr. Britt? He indicated that he had made deals with Nickerson. That he was careful not to put anything in writing. What we do now? I think we'll call on John Nickerson. Maybe the Green Hornet can get something from him that will put the finger on both him and Loomis. Let's go, Cato. short time later, the phone rang in the study of John Nickerson's home. Hello? Hello, John. This is Harry Loomis. Oh, yes, Harry. What's up? I called to tip you off to something. Uh, I think someone hired the Green Hornet to get evidence against this. Ah, what makes you think that? Because the Hornet was here at my place a short time ago. The Green Hornet? At your place? What happened? Nothing. Uh, I got rid of him. But I feel certain he'll go to see you and attempt to scare you into showing him where and how he might get evidence. So, uh, what shall I do, Harry? Yes, it did. <laughs> I phoned the police and tipped them off that the Hornets expected to go there. They'll be waiting outside your place to intercept him. Uh, I see. You can phone me later and tell me what happened. Now, uh, don't worry. If the Hornets should happen to get inside, don't lose your head. I'm sure the police will try to trap him outside. I'll wait till I hear from you. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye, Harry. I, I'll call you as soon as something happens. Nickerson's home is in the next block, Cato. You can stop here for a minute and let me out. Yes, sir. Why you get out here, Mister Britt? There's a possibility that Loomis phoned the police. He'd guess that I might go see Nickerson. Well, you think police may be waiting near Nickerson's to try to catch Green Hornet? Yes. What you take from glove compartment? The means by which I hope to get evidence connecting Nickerson with Loomis. I'll go from here on foot, Cato. I to wait here, perhaps? No, Cato. Listen, and I'll tell you exactly what I want you to do. It was ten minutes later. Sergeant Burke from police headquarters waited with a few men in the shadows outside Nickerson's home. Now you men keep your eyes open. And if the Hornet comes here, wait till I give the word before you can make a move. Okay, Sarge. We'll wait till he gets out of his car. Then we'll jump him. If the tip-off we got is... Hey, look, Sarge. Here comes a car now. Maybe that's him. Yeah, maybe it is. Get your guns ready and don't let him see you. Don't look like he's going to slow down, Sarge. No, don't. Get your guns ready. Great day. Green Hornet's car, all right. Let him have it. Come on, into the park patrol car. Get after him quick. Get in. Hurry up. Now step on it. We got to keep that spalpeen in sight. Get after him. Hello. What's happened? The Hornet came by, all right. The police are chasing after him in a car. Went right by without stopping. <laughs> the police will keep him busy for a while. Well, I think you'd better arrange to get out of town for a short time. 
If he uh, did find some way to connect you with our factory deals, it would make things bad for us. I, I don't see how he could. All your payments to me were made in cash. I know, I know. But if it got out that you arranged to get those war contracts pushed through, they'd be on your neck and mine. That uh, soldier's testimony almost turned things against us. Well, I warned you not to use that cheap material, Harry. You know as well as I do that most of your stuff was defective. Keep your mouth shut. Remember, you're on the telephone. I'll uh, get in touch with you tomorrow. Good night. You, Mr. Britt? Yes, Cato. I see you lost the police for the timing. I use smokescreen, double back to pick you up. We hurry, Mr. Britt. They're not too far away. All right, Cato. By tapping Dickerson's telephone wire, I got what I came after. Let's get going. Later at police headquarters... So the hand that gave it the runaround, eh, Sarge? Well, we didn't get him, if that's what you mean, Mike. Somehow that guy must have found out we were waiting to grab him. Yeah, he whizzed right by without slowing down at all. <laughs> you can't put anything over on the hand. You ought to know that by this time. Maybe so. But someday he's going to make a slip. Holy crow! Listen! The hornet, right outside. He must have been stopped right out here. Hey, Sarge, look. Here's a package on the steps. Let's take it inside. What is it? How do I know? Let me look it over. There's printing on the outside. Looks like a phonograph record. Holy smoke. The print says, Evidence against Loomis and Nickerson. The harness left it out there. Yeah. We'll take this right over to the district attorney's office and see what it's all about. Maybe the harness did get something on Loomis and Nickerson. Who knows? Come on. following morning at Britt Reed's office. Now, here comes Axford again, just as you're about to dictate a letter. <laughs> he never misses. Is that so now? <laughs> oh, never mind, Axford. What brings you in this time? News, Reed. Big news. Well, what is it? Believe it or not, Loomis and Nickerson were picked up last night. On certain evidence, the Hornet got. The Green Hornet? Yep. The Hornet recorded a phone conversation between Loomis and Nickerson. When the DA played it back to them, Nickerson broke down and admitted their crooked deals. No, really? Sure. And the investigation is to be reopened. Inspector Martin says Loomis and Nickerson are sure to be indicted for war profiteering. Well, that is news. I'll say it is. And it took the Green Hornet to break the case. Believe me, Reed, that guy always does the country a good turn in spite of himself when he decides to pull a double cross in his pals. <laughs> he must have been in on those crooked deals somewhere. Oh, you might give the Hornet the benefit of the doubt, Michael. Maybe he really meant to do the country a good turn. Yes, who can say his intention wasn't a good one, Axford? Huh. If the Harnett pulled a fast one against you, Reed, you wouldn't try to be giving him credit like that. <laughs> oh, don't be ridiculous, Michael. How could the Hornet ever pull a fast one against Mr. Reed? Now, there's something to really think about, Axford. Believe me. Ward 
Green Hornet involved. Read all about it. Green Hornet still at large. Let the let Copyrighted dramas originate in the studios of WXYZ Detroit, and all characters, names, places, and incidents used are fictitious. We hope you enjoyed this program from RadioClassics.com. Programs are copyright their respective owners. All rights reserved.